Today, criticism is running rampant in our society. The spirit of criticism is like a cancer on the human race. Do you have a problem with criticism? Do you persistently find fault with other people? Do you judge others? There's a story of a young man that started dating and every girl he brought home to meet his mom, she didn't like her. And she complained about the girls that he would bring home and for her to meet and he said something to his friend one day and he said, uh, mom doesn't like any of the girls that I bring to the house. And his friend said, well, maybe you need to find a girl that is much like your mom as possible. So he found one that kind of looked like his mom and talked like his mom. And she even likes the same things that his mom liked. She had the same manner of walking. And so he brought this girl home to meet his mother. And she loved her. So his friend asked him, well, how did it go? Well, he said, mom, mom loves her. But it's bad. Well, he said, well, how could it be bad if your mom loves her? He says, my, my dad can't stand her. <laughs> That's the problem with criticism. It, it'll get you in a bind. You'll, you'll paint yourself in a corner and you won't be able to get out. I'm convinced today that there are many Christians that are caught up in criticizing, always finding faults, and they are judging other people. And they can see it everywhere else around them, uh, but not in themselves. Open your Bibles, if you would, to the book of Matthew chapter 7, as we continue our, our study on the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus forces us to deal with a problem that has continued for centuries and even millenniums. A problem that is as old as the human race. It is the problem of judging others. Uh, please stand for the reading of the scriptures as we look at Matthew chapter 7 and starting with verse number 1. Jesus says to me, and Jesus says to you, Judge not that ye be not judged. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the moat out of thine eye, and behold, the beam is in thine own eye. Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the moat out of thy brother's eye. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you, Lord, for the truth from your word. Dear Lord, as we examine this scripture this morning, dear Lord, I pray that we will, each and every one of us, examine our lives and, and see the times that maybe we've been a little harsh, some that we have made prejudgments in some people's lives, and 
There's so many things that we don't understand what was going on, but we make a decision anyway. Dear Lord, I pray that you would just open up our hearts to see the mistakes that we've made so that we might ask forgiveness of you, dear Lord, and that we might be the kind of people that would be fit for the kingdom of God as you preach this, as, as your son preached this message, the Sermon on the Mount. Help us, dear Lord, in everyday life. Help us to see uh, the sinner instead of the sin. And help us to love the sinner and hate the sin. Thank you, Lord, for all that you're going to do today. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. If we are not careful, criticism will become a way of life for us. In fact, many of us have already fallen into the trap of having a critical spirit, a spirit that finds faults in others pretty often. We can try to justify it by saying, well, that's just the way I was brought up. I was raised in that kind of environment. I'm not being judgmental. What I'm saying about her really is true. We can, we can find every reason in the world to justify ourselves. We can make ourselves look better than we really are. I want you to know that the purpose for me to speak this message today is, well, first of all, it's the next thing that Jesus talked about in the Sermon on the Mount. Secondly, I don't want anyone here. It doesn't matter who you are. I don't want anyone to say as you're going out, preacher, that was a good sermon. I just wish my mother-in-law had been here. I don't want anyone to go away thinking I know of someone that should have heard that sermon. You know, I'm here. You're here. Apparently, we need to hear this message. So don't tune me out this morning. Don't hold me away and say, I, I, I'm not in the mood, mood for this today. Whether you're in the mood or, or for it or not, we're going to get it. Okay? So buckle up real tight. We live in an age of criticism. We have art critics. We have movie critics. We have political critics. One thing I've noticed that when it comes to the president giving the State of the Union address, it doesn't matter which political party he's in, there's always someone on the other political side who was ready to criticize and find fault in everything that he just said. We criticize everyone. We criticize food. We criticize art. Have you ever heard the term armchair quarterback? Do you know what that is? It's the guy who has never set foot on a football field, but he knows everything a quarterback did wrong. Uh, do, you, do you know anybody that would question the coach? Every play is wrong. Every decision to put a man in or take him out uh, they criticize everything. The whole culture is consumed with criticism, not to mention those who would criticize preachers. You thought I was going to leave that one out, didn't you? <laughs> not a chance. <laughs> the sermon's too long. The sermon's too sh No, that's probably not a good example. <laughs> the sermon's too long. He's too loud. Uh, he's too soft. He's too young. He's too old. And on and on we go. It's 
kind of like the family that was going home from church one Sunday and they were all complaining about the sermon and dad says, you, you know, that sermon was entirely too long. And, and grandma says, you know, that preacher is too young. And, and the sister says, you know what, that singing was terrible. And the little boy said, well, it wasn't a bad show for just a dollar, was it, daddy? We have the spirit of criticism everywhere. And I know this. But before you get home today, I know that the sermon today will be critiqued. I, I'm prepared for that. I'm okay with that. As long as I say what the Lord says. You don't have a problem with me. You have a problem with the Lord who wrote it. I'm going to show you three things this morning. Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's, there's a multitude that's gathered around the Lord. He, there's the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes. And, and they're within the earshot of what the Lord is saying. And he's saying to them, stop judging. I don't, I don't think the Lord's message could change if he came to Calvary Baptist Church today. Do you? Stop judging. You have a problem with it? What do you do about it? Are you critical of everyone, critical of everything? Do you find fault? Do you judge motives? How do you overcome it? I want you to know that there is good news. You don't have to live that way. By the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, you can be set free from that kind of spirit. There are three things I want us to see. First of all, you have to identify the problem. As we see in the very first part of, the, of our text, uh, it, it says, judge not. Do you know why some people are never free from, the spirit, from a critical spirit? Do you know why some people are bogged down with a critical spirit? It's because everybody else has a problem and they don't have a problem. Until you're willing to allow the Spirit of God to search you, to convict you, to reveal it to you, they, this is your problem. You will never change. Here's a challenge I want to challenge everyone here right now. Where you are, just pray this prayer found in the Word of God in Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Amen. If this spirit of criticism comes up in you, God, the Holy Spirit, brought it to your attention. So if he does, what do you do? You need to have a conversation with God and tell him, God, I'm guilty. I'm guilty. I have spoke, uh, you have spoken to me through your spirit. You have revealed to me something that is wrong. Many people are not aware that judging is a sin. Many people uh, are not aware of how big of a deal it really is. But listen to what Jesus said. Jesus said, judge not. And the way that was written specifically means stop judging. Stop doing what you're already doing. It was a sin that they were practicing. And he's saying, this is going on. You're, you're already doing it. And he says, stop judging. Let me give you a reason why you shouldn't judge. Because Jesus said, don't do it. 
You shouldn't judge because Jesus said, stop judging. I, I don't know what else to say. I don't know how else to put it. I don't know uh, any other way to preach this passage. We should not judge because Jesus said, stop judging. Let me ask you a question. Are you spiritually mature enough to stop judging for no other reason than that Jesus said don't do it? What does it mean to judge? If there was one verse in all the Bible that every sinner knows, it's this one. Judge not that you be not judged. They may not know that God commanded everywhere, every man, men everywhere to repent, but they know, judge not, that ye be not judged. They may not know that today is the day of salvation, but this verse they know, judge not, that they be not judged. What does it mean to judge? It means to divide and to separate. In John 7, 24, uh, it says, judge not according to the appearance but a judge righteous judgment. Negatively, let me tell you what Jesus did not mean. Look at Matthew 7 and verse 15. It says, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Let me ask you this. How are you going to know that without making a judgment? Look at Matthew 7 and 6. Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast your pearls before the swine. How are you going to know hogs and dogs unless you make a judgment? How are you going to know what is of God? You remember what John said over in 1 John 4, 1? Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God. How are you going to do that unless you make a judgment? We live in a world today where people love to use this verse to justify their sin. They, you, you say that, the, that that is the way, that that way is right, and, but I say, it, you know, this is right for me. Uh, and after, after all, the Bible says, judge not lest you be judged. I'm here to tell you today that there are some absolute truths. The truths that are absolute, and these, these are the truths, because, not because I say that they are, but because God says that they are. We can hold the Bible up, and if it says that their behavior is wrong, then they are wrong. That is not judgment. That is a statement of fact from the Word of God. You know what? The church of the Lord needs to stand up and stop stepping back and say Thus saith the Lord. Doesn't matter if the Pope doesn't agree with it. Doesn't matter if the city government doesn't agree with it. Doesn't matter if the Supreme Court doesn't agree with it. If this book says it's wrong, it's wrong. And, and it's not open for debate. That's absolute truth. So what does Jesus mean when he says do not judge? He's not talking about doctrine. If someone lies... Uh, to you over and over again and you've judged them to be a liar that's not what Jesus is condemning here you have come to the conclusion based on facts based on evidence that's not what Jesus is saying here 
Jesus is talking about a critical spirit, a hypersensitive spirit that finds something wrong and condemns others, that justifies ourselves at the expense of others. I, I can't believe they would do such a thing. I would never do that. This spirit that Jesus is talking about, a spirit that cause, causes us to be focused on the failures of others. Let me ask you a question. You just be honest with yourself. Be honest with the Lord. Do you get some kind of a joy when others fail? Then you try to determine the reason for their failure? They haven't been to church in a year? I bet I, they don't tithe. Uh, this is what Jesus is condemning right here. I, I know why that bad thing happened to them. No, you don't. You do more harm than good when you try to point out why God did that. You don't know. Don't speak for God when God hasn't spoken. You'll do harm. That's what Jesus is talking about here. We love to see the failures of others. Then we try to play the role of the Holy Spirit and say why the problem came in the first place. That is a judgmental spirit that we are not to have. This is stated in James chapter 2 when James says, My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect to persons. There was a, there was a rich man that came into the assembly, uh, into your church. He's dressed with an expensive suit. He has rings on his hands. Uh, and you tell him to sit here in this special place. And, and then on the same service, there comes this homeless man. Uh, he doesn't smell good. He doesn't have nice clothes. Uh, he, he's dirty. And you tell him to sit over there in that corner and stay out of the way. Judge not applies right here. Listen, it doesn't matter when someone comes into this church that they have a pretty suit uh, and have nice gold watch on their hand. Or they come in with ragged jeans and a baseball cap. If you come to worship the Lord, our doors are always open for you to come. We don't have a silly man-made dress code here. I just want people to have a heart to serve God. I hope that doesn't offend you, but if it does, maybe you need to find another place to worship. Because... We hold not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory with respect to persons, based upon external ex appearances. That's what Jesus condemns right here. Don't judge because of how they are dressed. This is the same attitude when the publican and Pharisee came to the temple to pray. There was a Pharisee, and with all of his self-righteousness, by the way, he was going to hell. And, and this religious Pharisee was going to hell. He stood there next to this publican, the tax collector, and he said, Lord, I'm thankful that I'm not like him. No good Baptist would ever be guilty of that, would they? Some of you have done it. Lord, I'm thankful I'm not like them. Lord, I'm thankful I've never done what he's done. Or been where he's been. Lord, I'm thankful I'm not like him. Listen, if it wasn't for the grace of God, we are all just alike. You may be cleaner on the outside, but you're not cleaner on the inside. 
You may not be guilty of the same sins, but you are guilty of sins just the same. That is the spirit that Jesus is condemning. You don't make those kinds of judgments based upon the outside. That, that you are somehow better than someone else. We have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We are all guilty before a holy God. We are in need of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Judge not that ye be not judged. Now, now I want to give you five reasons, and, and then we'll get to the sermon. <laughs> five reasons why we shouldn't judge. Don't judge because Jesus said don't judge. I, I would love to just close our Bibles right here and say this is the sermon. Because Jesus said don't judge, we're not going to judge. But I know... Uh, by just saying that to you, for some, it may not stick. And, and, and for some of you, it's, it's, it's not going to matter. I, I, should judge, I shouldn't judge because that's what Jesus said. But it really doesn't move us. Let me give you another reason. Number two is, we're not qualified to judge. Who qualifies you to judge another person? Please be honest. What is it about your pride that makes you qualified to judge? Let me show you why we're not qualified to be a judge. Remember when Israel wanted a king and they, they got Saul? And it, it, that didn't work out so well. And so God told the priest Samuel to go to Jesse's house. And the next king is one of the sons of Jesse. And so Jesse brings all of his sons together and he parades them before the, the priest and and they started with the oldest, and God said, that's not the one. And then they brought the second son, and, and it's not him either. And, and, and he went through seven sons, and Samuel said, he said, said he's not here. And are there any other sons that you have, Jesse? He said, yeah, we have one out watching the sheep, but he's just a kid. He, he's, he's out in the hills of Bethlehem keeping my sheep. He can't be the one. He hasn't done anything. He's just a kid. He never done anything important. He's a shepherd boy. There is nothing about David that would make anyone think he would be a king. Samuel said, I'm not sitting until you bring him here. So they brought him in, a shepherd boy, passed before the priest, and God said, that's him. We're not qualified to judge other people because we see, uh, all we see is a shepherd boy, but God sees a king. This past week, we were at camp. There were somewhere in the neighborhood of 200 there. Some of them boys were drooling over the girls. Some of them were stinking. Some were homely. But I know, based upon the speakers that were at camp this week, there was at least one future camp speaker in that crowd of young boys. I, I know that based upon history. God is going to raise up one of those boys and there'll be a speaker at one of the future camps. You just wait and see. We may not see somebody that, that, that uh, we, we may see someone that doesn't look like he can do anything, but God may have plans for that person unlike we've ever seen. We don't know. The third reason we shouldn't judge is we don't know all the facts. Well, uh, 
I said the third reason we don't uh, we shouldn't judge is because we don't know all the facts. If someone does us this way, we're pretty quick to tell them. There are some things about this situation you don't know. And we get angry. We go off. When someone doesn't know what they're talking about and they pass judgment, then we turn right around and do the exact same thing. Let me remind you, if you're not God and you're not, you don't know all the facts. Because you don't know all the facts, you don't have the right to condemn to criticize and judge everybody else. Fourth reason not to judge. Not only do we not uh, know all the facts, we are not their master. We don't own them. Listen to what Paul said in Romans 14 and 4. He says, Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? You see, people uh, we judge don't belong to us. They, they belong to God. You don't have the right to go into someone else's business and tell their employees, this is what I want you to do. I, I want you to go and wash the windows. I want you to carry out the trash. Uh, you don't have the right to do that. Uh, why? Because they're not your employees. They don't work for you. You don't tell someone else what to do. Paul said, you don't judge another man's servant. The final reason that we shouldn't judge is our judgment is always subject to be wrong. You ever make a mistake? Or do you want me to ask your wife? <laughs> you ever make a mistake? You ever get it wrong? Are you right all the time? 100% of the time, always right and never wrong? Let me tell you what the Bible says. If you say that you are always right, the Bible says you're a liar and the truth is not in you. You say that you're right most of the time. It doesn't matter if you're right most of the time, especially if you're the one being judged. You've admitted that you're not always right, but you're going to take that chance with someone else. Knowing you could be wrong in your judgment why would you do that? What is it about us that knowing we could be wrong, we may not have all the facts, but we're going to judge them anyway? So the first thing in overcoming this judgment spirit is you have to recognize that you have a problem. The second thing I want us to see is understand the paradox that takes place. It, it, that you be not judged is the next part of that verse. Then verse 2 says, here's the reason why. For with what judgment you judge, ye shall be judged. It's, it's like a boomerang. And we get back what we dish out. Have you ever noticed that? Can I ask you a question? Have you ever wondered why your circle of friends is getting smaller? Have you ever wondered why we used to be close? We used to have great times with them, but now they don't have time? Can I help you with, with, with that problem? Might be. The problem might be you. It might be that they just got sick and tired of your negative, critical, fault-finding spirit. So they back away. Jesus said, with the same kind of judgment you put on someone else, that same kind of judgment will come on you. 
Now, I don't know how it all works, uh, if God will guide it back to you or there's a natural process of judging others, but I believe it's probably God that allows that judgment to turn around and knock on your door. But I believe this verse is true because Jesus said it. For with what judgment ye judge, ye will be judged. Romans 2 and 1 says, Therefore thou art inexcusable, old man, Whosoever thou art that judges, for wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. Did, did you get that? You condemn yourself. Now the context of that verse is between the Jews and the Gentiles. The Jews were condemning the Gentiles. They were finding fault with the Gentiles. But Paul says, wait a minute, you're judging them and you're guilty of the same thing. Then Jesus uses this contrast in verse 3. He says, And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? A moat is, is a speck, a dry twig, a piece of sawdust, chaff, anything small and minor. And the beam is, well, that's a ceiling joist. It's a floor joist. It's a huge, it's big. And Jesus says, you want to judge somebody for a little speck that is in their eye when in fact you have a beam in your own eye? If you've got a beam in your eye, guess what you can't do? You can't see the speck that's in your brother's eye. I don't think my, in my entire life that I've ever seen a mature Christian who was filled with the Spirit of God, who was busy sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ and seeing that the church grew. I don't think I've seen a, seen a person like that being judgmental. If you take someone who don't have anything to do, they don't want to get involved, they don't want to use their talent, they don't want to volunteer for anything in the church. I'm going to preach here in a minute. Uh, they don't want to get their hands dirty. They don't want to roll up their sleeves. They don't want to do anything. Uh, but they just sit back and, and, and sit and sulk and sour and they find fault with everybody. You want to know how to get out of this habit, this rut of criticizing? Get up, and in the name of Jesus, do something for him. Amen. Busy people are seldom critical people. Now look at one more thing, and then I'm done. Look at verse number five. Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the moat out of thy brother's eye. There are two words there that you ought to underline. First and then. He said, he said, once you get the plank out of your eye, once you have dealt with the fault finding critical spirit, you've dealt with this sin, then you can see clearly to cast out the speck out of your brother's eye. You want to minister to people? Do you want to help people? Do you want to make a difference in somebody's life? You don't just jump in there and go at it. First, you need to deal with the sin that's in your own life. This allows you to see clearly so that you can help other people. Our ministry should not be about condemnation, but it should be about restoration. We can't restore anyone when our eye is full of a beam. Amen. We've got to have clear vision. 
If we're going to be in the ministry of reconciliation, do you know who we're going to reconcile? Your son. Your daughter. Your neighbor. Your wife. Your husband. When they fail. How do you want us to handle them? How do you want us to treat them as the body of Christ? Do you want us to treat them with kindness, grace, love, tenderness? Or do you want us to look down our noses at your son or daughter and judge them? I know the answer to that. We want love, don't we? Because we want our loved ones restored. Folks, we have no right, no right to expect to be treated with love and kindness and grace. To have our family be treated with love and kindness and grace while looking down our noses at other people. Amen. With a critical and fault-finding judgmental spirit. Here's the deal. God, that is infinitely holy, looked down on the human race, knowing that they are sinners, and failed to meet his standard of glory, sent his son to pay for their sins. Then the Bible says, he that believeth not is condemned already. But he that believes has life everlasting. That's where you are today. You have believed and have everlasting life or you have not believed and are condemned already. Which way is it for you today? Condemnation or eternal life? We're going to give an invitation in just a moment. Musicians come. I want to look you, each and every one of you to just think about you for a moment. The Lord put this message in the scriptures nearly 2,000 years ago. It was true then and it's true today. And Jesus has led me to preach through this Sermon on the Mount and we get to this portion today and you're here today. That didn't happen by accident. That wasn't just a fluke. You're here. And God brought this message today. Because we need help. We need to make some changes. We maybe have judged improperly. People's feelings have been hurt. Sin is sin. If the Bible says it's sin, it's sin. Make sure the Bible says it's sin. It's not just our preferences. We have, we have a lot of preferences. We in the Christian world, we've, we've come up with all kinds of preferences that well, if you don't conform to me, it's sin. If you're not just like me, it's sin. And we've got a whole laundry list of things, do's and don'ts and You've got them too. 
How are we going to be effective in reaching the world by nitpicking? They don't look like me. They don't do things like I do things. So what? Let's be careful. Let's be careful and look at the big picture. What's going to happen to that person that we've judged? We're going to push them out the door to where they'll never feel welcome here again? What good is that going to do? How is that going to help? Think about it. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you, Lord, for this message and for giving me the strength and the courage to, to preach it. Dear Lord, I just pray that you would just help us to soften our hearts and to see the things, the mistakes that we've made in the past and Give us the, the willingness to listen to your spirit today and to make things right with you today. If there's some here, dear Lord, that just needs to talk to you, clear things up with you of past statements, past judgmental acts and critical spirit, I just pray to Lord that you will just allow them and give them the strength to move forward Come to this altar and pray. There may be others here today that have never received the forgiveness of Christ in their life. They're at odds with God because of their sin. And they have an opportunity to make things right with God by giving their heart to you, for confessing their sins. And Lord, you've promised to save them if they'll do that. Others might need to make another decision this morning. I, dear Lord, I just pray that your spirit will move amongst the people and the people will be tender-hearted enough and honest enough to make the decision that you're talking to them about right now. Help us, little Lord, to live our lives for you and be the kind of people that you would have us to be. Forgive us, Lord, for all of our sins. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.